Hello, and welcome to episode three of the Rhythm, Repetition, and Reverence podcast, a support for parents of young children ages birth through seven. I'm your host, Lauren Berkstead. I am a Waldorf early childhood educator and teach at a school called Winsong School in Spokane, Washington. Today's topic is preserving your child's innate sense of magic and wonder. I want to start off this podcast by reading a poem called When I Was Six. When I was only six years old, hey ho for folio, I wandered in a fairy fold, hey holly to and fro. I rode upon a blossom's back, uphill and over sea, and all the little pixie pack for fun would follow me. O golden was the gown I wore of buttercups and air, and twenty diamond stars or more were pinned upon my hair. All day I chased the laughing sky above the busy town, but when the moon unwinked her eye, ho ho, I hurried down. And then within the baby's shoe I hid my lady's pearls. From maid to merry maid I flew and knotted all their curls. And when the children were abed, I tapped the window pane and laughed as someone softly said, Whist, goblins there again. Ho, ho, I flitted here and there amid my elfin band, while on the green in frolic fair we tripped it hand in hand. As air and moonlight I was free within that fairy fold, for all the world belonged to me when I was six years old. I love the very last line of that poem. For all the world belonged to me when I was six years old. And it's true, isn't it? That the world really does belong to children when they're that young. Because children absolutely live in the realm of fantasy and imagination. When else in your lifetime can anything be anything? Everything is possible and alive in the mind of a child. What a wonderful, magical world. The child's consciousness is perfectly set up for this um, in two parts. One, children under the age of seven don't see themselves as separate from the rest of the world. They're very much with the world all the way up until that age of seven. They don't see where they end and the world begins yet. So they are alive and everything else must be alive too. On the other side of that, you could say, 
children are right brain dominant. And what does it mean to be right brain dominant? Um, The right brain is responsible for imagination and intuition and creativity. And if you've ever watched a child play for any length of time, you know that this is what they do best. Um, When else in your life can a chair be a boat? It can be a chair, it can be a castle, it can be ridden like a horse, it can be alive and talk. I mean, as we, as as children age and they move out of that first seven years, they wake up to the world around them. And with each passing year, the world becomes less alive, I guess you could say, and more black and white. And so we want to nourish the child's just innate sense of wonder and magic due to that right brain development and also just that oneness with the world. And if we can help children live there, not wake them up out of it too quickly, which is unfortunately what we are doing culturally right now is waking children up more quickly. Um, Asking that left brain, which is responsible for being logical and analytical, to wake up before it's really ready to. And we don't want to do that. The world needs people who can be creative and intuitive and imaginative. And so we want to feed the child's ability to do that for as long as we can. But now perhaps you're wondering why I'm talking about this at all. Of course, in a Waldorf kindergarten, we keep alive the sense of magic with with stories and with imaginations and bringing wonder into the kindergarten in everyday life. We make butter every week in my kindergarten We do that by putting a little shaker ball inside of a mason jar. We could give a whole physics lesson about adding energy and being able to change things through energy, but that isn't where the children are at. So instead, we have a little story in the kindergarten about ringing the bell until a magic butter elf comes. And so you're shaking that mason jar with the protein shaker ball in it, and it jingles. And you know that the magic butter elf is almost there when you can't hear it anymore. And then you can hear it again and you know that the butter is there. This is an imagination that meets the child much, much more where they're at than a lesson on on physics. Not that you would even call it physics in kindergarten, but I think what I think you can see what I'm trying to say. Anytime we can make a regular experience, more magical for the child. They just, they eat it up and they love it and it seeds uh, imaginations for them that they take into their play and um, into, into the rest of their day. So I, I want to bring it back to what that means for you um, in, your, in your life in parenting because you're not in a classroom. Um, 
but here here's how it could come up in your regular parenting life. Just the idea of leaving space for wondering that you don't have to provide an adult logical answer for everything that your child asks you. And because they're not working out of the same side of the brain as you are, uh, you and I are working out of the left side of our brain predominantly, when a child asks you, why does the rain fall from the sky? They're probably not looking for the answer that you're apt to give them because they're not in the same brain space as you. So where you and I might hear that question and start thinking about middle school science lessons about the whole evaporation condensation cycle, that's not what the children are actually asking. It's unlikely that they actually want that answer and you're going to kill any imagination that they might have about why rain falls from the sky. And not that we don't want them to learn scientific concepts at some point in time, but if we leave the realm of possibility open, that strengthens their ability to have that realm of possibility open. And this is where all great inventions and ideas have ever come from. And so just the simple response of, I wonder, can leave it open for them to actually tell you what they might have been thinking. And if you make this a practice in your house, it's so fascinating to hear what children were actually thinking when they asked the question. And sometimes you're really... Um, more awake children, sometimes I'll just say, I don't, I don't know, or I'm not sure. Uh, Because even the question, why does rain fall from the sky, it would take me a little bit of research to remember the whole real reason why it falls from the sky. I have a, a sense of why it does and a small memory from that science class. Um, so it'd be truthful for me to answer, well, I'm not completely sure. But it's also truthful for me to answer, I wonder, and leave space and quietness open for the child to maybe say something themselves. So that's what I want to leave you with. This idea of um, that the child really lives at oneness with the world in this side of their brain that is working on building up creativity and intuition and imagination and that we as adults don't live there anymore. And so we have to just take that into account when we are talking with our children and working with our children that they're not coming out of the same brain space as us. And you can, you'll find if you work with this a little bit. So think about, okay, what would I, and this is hard for adults to do. Think about it even if your child asks you to play with them, how bored you get. Or maybe that's just me. But I have a sense that adults get bored with children's play. And they're not bored at all, you know. They could have, they could be playing all day long. Um, Oh, I lost my train of thought where I was going with that. Oh, yeah. If you can work with this, just the idea of can you bring a little picture or imagination to life with your child? So um, I just did this a couple nights ago with my three-year-old who doesn't really like to brush their teeth. We could talk about how 
brushing your teeth is good for your teeth and you want to have healthy gums and you don't want to get any cavities and when you go to the dentist um, you're going to want to make sure that your teeth look good for the dentist you could approach it that way and you'll be talking yourself silly night after night with your three-year-old or you could make a little game like I did and this just came into my head the other night that we needed to chase out the sugar bugs and you have to open your mouth wide and I've got to chase them out and um, th- because that picture is alive to them. It meets them in that realm of imagination um, and possibility. Maybe there are sugar bugs living in my mouth. Maybe there's not. Uh, but I definitely want my mom to get them out of there. So um, play around with that. See if you can bring more life and imagination into requests that you have of your child. And also consider when your child is asking you questions to not feel compelled to have to answer them out of your adult viewpoint um, all the time because it is most likely not the answer that they were looking for anyway. So I think I'm going to wrap that up. I feel like, yeah, I'm going to wrap that up for um, tonight and leave you with that last bit of the poem. As air and moonlight, I was free within that fairy fold for all the world belonged to me when I was six years old. Thanks for joining.